Hey, it's BT with Tales from a Gemini. Uh, my guest today is Mama D Diamond. Man, you're going to love her. She's got a book about, she was, I think, the first person to travel uh, do all 50 states in consecutive days on the same motorcycle. Her story is, it goes beyond the motorcycle. We're both from Oklahoma, I found this out. We have stories about Oklahoma, and she goes beyond motorcycles. She inspires everyone from MMA fighters, and she was a singer. She did everything, and now she's inspiring women and raising uh, money for domestic violence. You are going to love Mama D. Diamond. Enjoy. Okay. Here we go. I'm so, I'm so damn excited. Why? I, I might even just skip the song. That's how excited I am. Yeah, I'm back. Hey, it's BT with Tales from a Gemini, man. We got a brand new setup to the studio. I wasn't even ready for this. And Wyatt just comes in and he just changes everything around. I wasn't even ready for it. But, uh, you know, I adapt. That's what I do. And my guest today, I was doing a show over Halloween weekend. Unbeknownst to me, the host, she rode bikes, man. She was a hardcore biker. And she goes, you know who Mama D is? And I go, no. And she showed me her Instagram, her IG page. I go, I got to have her on. And it became an obsession. And, it, and I looked her up, trying to do my homework. And when I discovered that we're both from Oklahoma, oh. you, you have no idea how I was like, no. And then you, know, you didn't reveal what town you're from, but I told my producer, I said, I bet we are related. So what town in Oklahoma, scary. What town in Oklahoma are you from? Wilika, Oklahoma. Wilika? Uh-huh. I have no idea where that is. <laughs> and I'm from Oklahoma. I'm from Muskogee. I know where that is, but I'm, yeah, Willika's Oklahoma. It's uh, right off of I-40. It's between, it, it's almost exactly in the middle of Tulsa and Oklahoma City. It's five miles south uh, of I-40, and it's three blocks, Main, Main Street is three blocks long, and anything other than Main Street is dirt roads. Uh yeah, that's where I grew up. How did you end up in Wilika? In the, in the 60s and 70s, oh. in the height of the civil rights movement. Oh, my and God. Very, very segregated, uh, being told what I can't do, and also being raised by a mother who uh, raised me to basically have babies um, to get welfare. Wow. So I'm at, yeah, so I that's how I was raised that. I can never do anything as good as a man. And my job in life was to serve. My God. But you know what? You know, hearing it now is probably a shocker to any woman under 25, especially what has gone on the last two years with the Me Too movement and everything. And it's just shocking to me because only because growing up, my mom, and this is before all that was going on. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit younger. And I just remember, and I, and I didn't know anything about this, and I was just being a kid, joking around, and I said, as a joke, I don't know where I got this from. I go, you know what? When I get older, I'm going to get a woman to take care of me. And my mom grabbed me. I just got to pay. I'm sorry. I just got to pray for my neck. <laughs> <laughs> I just got <laughs> Just my neck. Stop that. <laughs> I swear, my mom grabbed me and she goes, don't you ever say that again. And man, the, the fear of God was in my eyes and her eyes too. And from then on, like, oh, this is what a strong woman is. And yeah, and I learned that. And I learned that from the time, the many times that the cops were called to my house because my mom and dad got into it, you know? Yeah. So yeah, so, and I, 
I had a, when I found that out that you were from Oklahoma, and I remember you saying you're from a small redneck town. Your words, not mine, but I get yeah, it. That's, yeah, and I, I yeah, I'll keep saying it because it is. It and, still is. So, and I just remember all I wanted to do in life was to leave Oklahoma. That's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to leave. <laughs> I ride through there. <laughs> But you know what's empowering, though, is the first time that I was riding my own motorcycle on I-40. Yeah. I remember I was actually, I think I was on my 50-state ride back in 2006. And I remember on I-40 looking down that road and saying to myself, I'm getting chills right now, that if I listened to what you said I couldn't do, I wouldn't be doing this now. But that's what's beautiful is. That is in eight. That was in you to go, no, I'm not going to go down this road. Where did that come from? I mean, did it come from uh, your father or maybe a, a generation before her that somebody was hard headed or whatever? Where did that come from? It had to be. I had to be born with it, but I have no idea because I had no role models, positive role models when I grew up. None. None. So it was all that poor me. Um, basically, I'd be, I was told you need to set here. You can't go play. You gotta you gotta know your place. I had to sit there and listen to people complaining about, oh, why he's keeping us down. And I'm thinking to myself at six years old, that don't even sound right. Nobody's keeping you down. But I can't say anything because I gotta know my place. So I just knew that I could not wait till I got out of there. But let me just share this other thing to you. Is I like I said, my mother wanted me to, as soon as I started having my period, to have start, she was sending bringing having men come to the house with me to, she wanted me to have sex with him where I could get pregnant when I had got started my period, period. So I ended up getting pregnant at 17 and having my son. And she took him out of my arms when I got home because she wanted another son. And she took him and she said, um, you don't know what you're doing. Took him and used him as a pawn for me to send money home to take care of the family. So basically I had no relationship with my son, and to this day, I have no relationship because she raised him the same way she raised my brother. Like women are worthless, women are should be subservient. They should never speak back, things like that. So we don't even. And he's going to be forty-seven years old. I have no relationship with him. At oh all. my! That's why my uh, the fighters, yeah, are my are my adopted son. They're the one that gave me the name Mama. And what's so empowering about that? is because when I was working at Jackson's MMA in Albuquerque and the, the first fighter I started working with started calling me mama and everybody thought that I was literally mama because he was like, that's the kind of respect. And then Diego Sanchez, who ex-UFC Hall of Famer, called, started calling me Mama D. And it just stuck, so that just stuck. And so when I just, when I decided to change my name legally because I wanted to get rid of my married name because that's a whole nother story. But I wanted to keep the Mama D, but I didn't want to keep my married name. So I wanted to figure out what would be a name that would demonstrate power. So I said, Diamond, Diamond. So March the 1st, I changed my name legally to Mama D period Diamond. I'm getting chills because I'm sitting in my dining room table in Albuquerque and a judge is saying to me, he said, I'm dressed like I'm in, like I'm going to court. I mean, we're talking, not even a Zoom call. I'm on the phone. And he said, I know this is ridiculous. Sounds ridiculous, Miss, Miss Jones at the time. He said, but you need to raise your right hand. And I raised my right hand to be sworn in because it's like a court situation. And at the end, he said, 
Thank you very much and have a very nice day, Mama D Diamond. And I literally just sat there and I said, that's, this is the beginning of a whole new life for me. And then uh, July 1st, when I, and I got everything taken care of, changed my name over, came to Vegas to a Clay Guida's fight, and then looked at properties. And before you know it, I ended up getting this place. And from July 1st, 20. 20 when I got hit by a car, survived a 100 mile an hour accident, did not even go down, did sustain permanent brain damage. Two years to date, July 1st, 2022, I am now living at the signature MGM Grand in Las Vegas, Nevada. Mama D Diamond, baby, it's time for the diamond to shine in Vegas. Oh. <laughs> that I'm talking about. Damn, you got me wanting to suit up again. I, I feel like I feel like I'm gonna go. To, I'm gonna go to the dojo tomorrow. Like you know what? I'm ready, D. I'm not gonna lie. That, that you are a survivor. I think both of us. And I'm gonna I'm gonna throw myself in. I just think being from Oklahoma and getting away from that. And, you know, you realize there's a whole nother world out there and I'm going to find that son of a bitch. And it's and, mm-hmm. and you had to find that vessel to get you out. For me, it was wrestling. And I knew if I could take wrestling to get me out of Oklahoma and then I let the rest go from there. What was it that took you out? What, what did you find to go, OK, this is what I'm going to do to take me out and then I'm going to expand my horizon? Because you have done everything. I mean, honestly. You live the way a person is supposed to live. You've done a little bit of everything. I was going to ask you if you were a Gemini, but I know your birthday's coming up. But I, because you've done a plethora, and I mean of everything. For you've been a singer. You've been like you. You've been a bodybuilder. You have done every. You have lived life the way you're supposed to live. And I and I'm gonna tell the fans right now. She's the first person to ride the same bike consecutive days through all 50 states through an ice storm through a the, the bay through a head, through a tornado she's done it all d i'm just gonna shut up and let you tell it i'm gonna so let what, you tell i got i got a uh, partial bar, basketball scholarship um uh, because my coach uh said well you, you know if you can't dribble with both hands you're not gonna you're, you're not gonna be able to play college so he gave me this old leather blackened basketball and gave me the key to the gym. Now, you know how hot it gets in Oklahoma. Oh, my God. In the summertime? Yes. And I'm talking about going into the gym with no air conditioning in there, just dribbling. And I got a partial basketball scholarship, and it was close enough to home because I wasn't couldn't leave to go too far. And I did that, but I ended up getting a phone call before I went to college from somebody who was – they were starting a college band and um, – I, I can forget where I went. Uh, Connor State College in Warner, Oklahoma. Yes, it was, right down the street. That's that's where I went for two years. And um, she was starting a college band. And I'm thinking, I didn't even know I could sing that good. But I was in the high school choir. But I, I don't ever think that I'm doing anything exceptional, but other people do. Right. And so next thing you know, I go and I get into this band. But see, the thing is, I played basketball and the band would perform at halftime. So I would literally perform with the band at halftime with my basketball uniform on <laughs> and then go into the, the last part of the meeting with the basketball team and get what I needed to. But the, the, let me backpedal a little bit. When I played basketball, I started my basketball coach would get me out of the sixth grade to practice with the junior high team. And then by the time that I got to the ninth grade, I was starting on the junior high team and the high school team. So I would play two quarters in the junior high team 
and they would take me in a station wagon to start the high school team to because I jump center. And to I would literally play six quarters in a night, two different teams, two different games in one night. And then I ended up being the high school drum major and the basketball captain. And we had a basketball final, but we had this big time like parade that I was a drum major. Yeah. That the basketball coach and the band director almost went went fists because they was like, you're not going to be walking in a in a parade after playing in the finals of a I ended up doing both anyway. Because <laughs> you're hard headed. But I ended up starting singing. And the thing is, we ended up starting to play at Tulsa at the Sheridan. We would do that every summer. Yeah. And we were the house band in the summer at the Sheridan Hotel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I started making money. So the degree went out the window because my mom saw money. And 80% of my paycheck was going home to my family. She was paying <sighs> by my grown ass siblings was buying cigarettes for them. When she passed away in 1995, um, she had brand new luggage. She didn't go anywhere. China. <laughs> I had duct tape on my luggage when I was traveling. I was eating out of soup cans on the road to send money home. But that the singing got me out. I ended up being a choreographer because not because of train, because I was with this other band after the New Horizons broke up. And he had hired this choreographer, paying her $200 an hour. And she was so mechanical. I came in and started teaching her stuff. And he saw that and he fired her and hired me. So I ended up choreographing show bands and all these different things. So I did that and then um, got into the uh, the party inside a little bit too much. Uh, of course, because it was the, what, the 80s, you know, 90s, right? It was the 80s and 90s, right? It was the year 70s and the 80s. And when your nose started bleeding on stage and you realize that you're killing yourself. Yeah. Because I'm, I mean, I would. Well, you, you're an entertainer back in them days. Well, if duh. you didn't get a high, you just that would people would shake your hand and give you something. Yeah, and we, I was so naive. One of the the keyboard player, she would say, they give me a handful of pills. They shake my hand, and she'd say, Oh, that's this, this, and this, and oh, I'll take this, and you take that. I don't know what I'm taking. <laughs> I'm taking. I learned that Quaaludes and Blackberry brandy don't go good together. <laughs> I, I did a convention that we sang for this nightclub and it was a convention for state police officers in Arkansas. I think I showed them everything I own. <laughs> I was flashing the tube top and I was just, I just, oh, I was so bad they would not give me a cordless microphone because I would end up in the parking lot. I was just completely out of control. And then my nose started bleeding on stage and the bass player was like this to me and I was like, what? And he was like, I'm like, oh, this is not, and that's why I was like, I'm good, I'm done. I just said, you know, and I was done. Well, how did you not get addicted though? I mean, you know. I was, well, I was, uh, I, I have addictive personality. I just knew that I'm either going to do it or I'm not going to do it. I don't kind of, the first year was bad because my body just went through bad withdrawals. I actually, I had met my now ex-husband who was also verbally abusive for 32 years, walked out of me with a text and a letter after 32 years of marriage about six years ago. Uh, but that was all behind closed doors. Everybody's thinking, oh, there's no way it's your fault. I mean, it's no way that it's his fault because he loves you. He proclaimed his love to you, everybody, and everybody believed. And I was suicidal more times than I can count. But I was, I was I'm always going to be a, addicted somewhat, but I just knew that 
Yeah, my life was worth more than that. And I don't, nobody told me, but I just said, I told the band, uh, the, it was a co-leader, the drummer, because he always told me, he said, if you ever quit this band, you need to give me a month notice because I can't replace you. And so I told him after that happened, because we were getting plastic, like, implants in our noses to keep doing that stuff. Wow. And I said, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm rotting my brain up. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And I, so I stopped and he said, as soon as I gave my notice, the band after that, a few weeks later, the band just disbanded. And I ended up leaving with my ex. We went across the country and I needed to get away from that lifestyle. And right. I ended up, we ended up in all these, talking about, Places, because I was married to a white man, and places that he was taking me to, I couldn't even go outside because it would be, I mean, we were walking down the street. He took me to Washington State where he was had been in the Air Force. We was walking down the street, and they were screaming out, nigger lover, at the top of their voice at downtown. I mean, it was horrible. So, But I ended up getting a job um, at a all-women's uh, fitness center uh-huh. there. Yeah. Because I wanted, I started... <laughs> I started to try to get into shape because I knew guys I was I was a size 16 at 27 years old and had high blood pressure. And I said, I ain't going out right like, my life expectancy in my family is 60. And the fact that I'm gonna be thriving and doing this at 65 is like unheard of. Yeah. So I just I just I described in my in my new book how ugly this was. Okay, so I thought I'm gonna get into shape. So I put on my little polyester jogging suit <laughs> and I took off. I took off running. Yeah. And it was, a, I came back and I think, I, I don't even know if I got around the block. It was so ugly. It was so bad that my ankles swole up the next day. I woke up. I was literally having to crawl to the bathroom because I was, my body was in all hell. But I told people, I, I demonstrate that in my book, that I started from there to what you see now. So when people look at me, it's like, and that's why I put in my, my book about the things that I do all the time and have been consistent with this all these years. I never went on a diet. I mean, it was always something to try to improve my health. So it ain't about what I look like is what I can do. Because there's a lot of pretty people out there can't do shit. Yes, yes. And you know that. And with a wrestling background, there is there is a quality in you that people are never going to understand because if you can grind as a wrestler, you can do anything. I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. But also, is it that strong mental res, uh, resolve that you have? Is it kind of maybe subconsciously about how, you know, how you grew up that you were like, I'm going to show you my, like, even though you went through the heaven, the hell part of it, like Steve Miller said, you got to go through hell before you get to heaven. So was that kind of part like, you know what, I'm strong mentally and I'm going to show you mom in a roundabout way that I can get through this. And that, because like there was, there, there was no YouTube back in the day. There was, I mean, the, the self-help books were, were few and far between. So you had to find out on your own, you know what I mean? And so that's what I found about your story. So just damn remarkable to be a strong woman. People don't realize to be a strong woman and a, and a male dominate. Even now it's male dominate, but especially back then to be male dominated society 
And for you to come through to where you are now, and I mean, I saw this, the shots of you, man. You, you are sliced and diced, baby. I mean, it's like somebody took a razor blade to get, <laughs> I mean, you're looking good. You, you say, it's not even, when you say it, it's not a, it's not even full of shit. You could tell it, it's all true. And that's what I like about you. I mean, it's like you, it's like you, you're, you're, you're saying is I inspire to inspire before I expire. And that to me is the greatest. And you do it by example. You were, we were talking before the show and you told me you're going to go after this is over, you're going to go run the signature towers. And how many floors is that? Well, see, I'm going to be training. So what I'm doing is I'm doing, well, I, what I do is I'm going to be, I go down to the down floor, the ground floor, and then I go all the way up to the roof. Now it's 38 floors, but I usually go down from, I go from the second floor to the ground floor, go all the way up and touch the roof door, and then go all the way back down to the uh, to the ground floor, and then run out. And then what I'm going to do on my birthday is I'm not only going to do all three towers. I'm just getting chills again. I'm also going to be raising money for domestic violence. So that's going to be something. So it's not like I said. What I do ain't about me. It's about what I'm demonstrating that's possible. So I want. I'm going to be. So I, I'm going to have somebody. I, I some pictures that was taken from my uh, from my book cover. It was these young couple that's just amazing. Yeah. They were like they wanted to film it. They said, "But you, we ain't gonna be doing them stairs." So they're gonna <laughs> hook me up with GoPros and cameras. And so because they're not, they're thinking, "Oh hell no!" And they're half my age. So uh, we're gonna, I'm gonna have the, I'm gonna have them contact the local media. I gotta correspond all this with the signature because I'm gonna have to have security's gonna have to escort these people because they're gonna be strategically placed in the stairwell as I'm going by. So I'm gonna be doing that, and as I'm, I'm doing, I only do one tower right now, but I'm gonna start adding two next week, and then because I do Friday and Saturday, I do. 41 stairs, still 41 floors Friday and Saturday. And then I'm going to start doing that, but I'm going to give myself a time that I want to do it less than 45 minutes for the three towers. And so, because right now I can actually get all the way up to the top in nine minutes and 40 seconds. But see, I got to make sure that I'm not going to be using the elevators in between right? because I want to make sure I, but I don't have to correspond all this with the management and security because I don't want to have to get in the elevator and then go to the ground and then go all the way up because I don't want, that's going to waste time. So I got to query up, but I'm doing this for my birthday. And then, like I said, three days later, I ha- I'm getting an award in, in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, the Titan Award. And it's not about only what I've achieved on my motorcycle, but what I've achieved, achieved as far as contributing to the community of this world. And so I'm, like I said, three days later, Doing three thousand miles on the motorcycle, me and Magic's heading Florida. My good. First of all, when is your birthday? January twenty sixth. You know what? I'm gonna be performing in Las Vegas at Brad Garrett's Comedy Club during that week. I'm gonna be there, D. We're gonna meet. I ain't running them damn steps, but I'm gonna be there, and I'm get students. We are woo. D, D, we doing this, D. It's going to be two Okies together, sitting around, talking. That's what we're going to do, D. That's what we're going to do. We, I, I, oh, you just, you just made my day. No, you just made my day, D. You just made my day. That's what we're doing. Two Okies together in Las Vegas, baby. I yeah. mean that. God, you know what? 
I swear, I'm I, the, the 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 hairs on the back of my neck are just are are right. I mean, I knew, I knew it was gonna be this way because I like I said when I was going through all your stuff, it's just nothing but just positivity and the real. And, and, and you know, people are afraid to talk the real and afraid to speak the real. And I've heard you, and I go, this woman doesn't hold anything back. And what I what I want to know though is, when did motorcycles come into your life and became and become your solace? You know, what I mean, your place for at least for me it's the same for me it's like i get on a bike and it's just where i want to be when you sit there you go this is where i love this is where i want this is where i love it. you know like sometimes they say don't get on the bike if you're in a bad mood if i get on the bike and i'm in a bad mood i'm out of the bad mood right if i'm in a good mood it's in a better mood i mean it's just that's where you feel at home so when did motorcycle and all your world of turmoil and and everything going on in your life when did motorcycles become your solace well, I started riding when I was almost 41 years old. And my ex at the time was, I just say he owned motorcycles. He wasn't a real, mo- he was more about cleaning it versus riding it. He was more about what everybody's ooh and on about it. Right. But he was diagnosed with epilepsy and he was had sell, he had to sell his little, he had a sportster. And he was six foot two and 20, 220 pounds. And I'm like, he had a sportster. I'm sorry, but that's, that's he, he shouldn't be riding a sportster. He's 220 pounds. But I ain't saying, let me just shut up. So he ended up, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but you know, but that's what he could handle. Uh, so uh, he was, he, uh, I was on a, a road, I was in a business trip in Montana. And he said, I got another bike because he had been seizure free for a year. And I said, cool. So I get home and we're living in Jersey at the time. And I said, so where's your bike? And we go into the garage and I open up the garage door. I said, so where's yours? That's how I got my motorcycle. I had no idea what I was doing because I'd been on the back of bikes for years because one of the bands that I was on the road with, we had toy hauls because we were on the road 50 weeks out of the year. Right, right. We had bikes and everything just because we lived on the road. And I always ridden on the back and I like it. But um, then I get in the kitchen. I said, so what do my hands do? What do my feet do? And instead of sitting on the motorcycle and he's telling me, and so the thing is, I, um, I, I said, you know what? I want to take, I took the, I went to Jersey, DMV in New Jersey, took the written test and failed it. The little girls laughed at me and I was like, okay, so that's okay. So I took, I signed up for a motorcycle safety course. The, the, uh, and so I took it, I scored a hundred percent. Yes. And then I also scored the highest on the writing test. And uh, then I always look, and then I get on, it was a Vulcan 800. Now, we took the test on a 250. Yes. Now yep. I got a Vulcan 800. Now, a Vulcan 800 ain't no rocket ship, but compared to a 250, <laughs> yeah. it's like big for me. So I get on 78 in New Jersey, which is like the Autobahn. Yes. I'm on 78 by myself. I'm riding, and I see a semi flying up behind me. I'm like, Jesus, I'm going to die. I'm going 35 miles an hour. I wasn't even going, I wasn't even going half the speed limit. And I think, I look back on that. I tell when people talk about riding the first time, I say, you don't know I where I am now. This is not where I started. You have to, that's why when people talk about, well, I can't do that. No, no, no. I, I didn't just jump out of the womb doing what I'm doing right now. Right. This is stuff that, like you said, when, when I see people posting on Facebook, asking all these questions about what they need to do on a motorcycle trip, I say, 
I can't say nothing. I have to shut up because as soon as you say something, you're the bitch. So I'm just saying, <laughs> get, your, get your ass out there and ride because I didn't have Google. I didn't have a shit. I just went out there and made the mistakes, learned the hard way, fell down, got up and kept doing it. And now I can do it from, from in a place that, and then they ask all the questions and you got hundreds of replies and they still ain't doing nothing. I'm like, well, you got all these, you're just scared. They just want attention. Matter of fact, I saw motorcycles for a little while when I was moved here and moved to Albuquerque. And I got people would come in and would ask all these questions about a motorcycle. And I'm like, well, just buy it. But I, yeah, I started then when I, when I started, oh, and that's another thing. I got to say, I got another birthday coming up, uh, November 24th, 1998. I got hit by a car, got thrown 120, 120 feet, skidded my showy helmet down to the styrofoam. Oh. My right foot was destroyed. My heel was broken off. All my toes were broken, mm. uh, broken. And there was a big old hole in the top of my foot that a muscle blew out. They couldn't replace. And, um, after that was like six months after I started riding, the woman just hit me. I mean, she's at a, a stop sign. I get right in front of her. She just pulled out and hit me. And there was nowhere to go, nothing. And normally people after six months of riding or so would have said, maybe this ain't for me. Hell no. Two months I was walking and back on another motorcycle in four months, blew the motor on that motorcycle, put 15,000 miles on it in like six weeks, and then got Big Bertha's the one I made history on. That is the resolve I'm talking about. That's how you, that's how you know I you do. love it. That's how you know you love it. When you go down and you say, and, you, and that's not even a consideration. It's like, okay, how am I going to start riding again? It's not like, you know, do I want to ride again? It's okay, how do I start riding again? Am I, is the fight going to be fixed? How can I get another one? I mean, it's, I mean that, that is, people, you have to know, the, ride, the riders, you have to know. When it's that love of the game that we have, I mean, it, it's, it's just what we do. It's just what we do. You know, like I was telling you before the show, I was riding, it was 22 degrees, and I'm riding every 20 miles, and I'm trying to warm my hands up, and people look at me like I'm crazy, but I put the helmet back on, I get on, and I'm not going to lie, and the only time I say, the only time I don't want to ride, and I say this, is after, immediately after I get off riding a long way. Like, you know, that's the only time I don't want to ride, and then after about an hour and a half, I get something to eat, you know, fill my fat belly. As you can see my shirt keeps riding up. I, I feel my fat belly. <laughs> I'm like, God damn it, I, this shirt shrunk or I'm getting fat. But either way, either way, I get a little food in my belly and I'm like, I'm good, man. It's just that love of the game. So where did you happen to, in all your tri trials, which I think is great, how did you happen to become a BMW ambassador, which I think is great. You went from failing the test, start riding at 41, and your age now is, I don't want to, you know, you. I'm sure you'll give your age, but I don't want to put it like, so it's be rude. Yeah, I'm 64, and I'm happy. I, I, I earned every bit of this. Well, I, I don't want to get slapped, you know? I don't want to get no, slapped. No, I earned... I I proud very much because that's nothing. My mom never wanted to tell. She said a woman doesn't tell her. Hell, I earn this. Yes, she I am did. not. I'm not. I will. I'm proud of that. But see, the thing is, when um, what happened is, I had oh, I've ridden a Kawasaki. I've ridden a, a, a Yamaha. I've ridden three Hondas. Um, and then what happened is, a friend of mine uh, was a general manager in Albuquerque at the BMW shop, and we just. He ended up, he said, I follow you on, on uh, social media all the time. And I think you're amazing. And I actually have a big a picture of me sitting on one of those big 
uh, the new big R bikes. Yes. With him said bitch on the back, on the back. And uh, we just, he said, because I told him, I said, yeah, and he, and, but he's just one of these people that he's like this big, like teddy bear person, but can ride. He's ama- amazing, amazing. So we kept talking and he said, you know, I really want somebody like you to, because I, I was riding a Honda uh, adventure bike, but it was also a bike that my ex told me that that was my parting gift when he left. Oh, what bike was it? What bike was it? What bike was it? It was a the uh, B. Uh, it was a twelve. I mean, I can't even BFR twelve hundred X. Okay. And I, uh, okay. I already had like eighty thousand miles on that, like a year and a half. But the thing is, it's just that I renamed her Freedom, but yet it still had that negative connotation to it. Right. And then uh, I wanted something. I wanted the G because I've been GSs in uh, Morocco, Brazil, and all the other places. And I saw I, he kept telling me, he "said We want I want somebody like you uh, that's going to be riding the bike a BMW because normally it's they're mostly mostly dictated by old white men, right? And we want to show that it's for everybody, and you are that person person because you can back it up with what you've done." So you can walk into any place and not be intimidated, not be threatened. And uh, so well, I was looking around the floor and I didn't see a bike that I wanted, you know, because it, it, it has to be that one. So the next day I go in and I see magic on the floor. And I was like, that, that's right there, right there. And I when I when I pick a bike, I sit on it and say, OK, I've not put my scent on it. It's my bike and take it off the floor. And so I started that and, and then I ended up just doing that. And then I ended up getting in contact with one of the top women in BMW in New Jersey. And then um, they, with, with Chris, his help, they, I sent in the bio and now I'm a BMW expert. And I, they, I will be speaking at BMW dealerships all over the country. And, and basically I'm going to, I'm setting it up as ladies nights. So, but I'm doing it not just for BMW riders for women i wanted i'm doing getting chills again because i did one in albuquerque and i want every make model of bike every kind every woman every anything you want matter of fact i told them to cordon off the parking lot for the women when you go into the parking lot there was every make and model of bikes out there in that parking lot and they said they had never had that happen before but i had women that come hear me talk that didn't even ride that came into a dealership that's what so I'm I want to be able to empower women, like I said, that, but it was basically he, that was his vision of seeing what I do and who I am, that I can represent women in a whole different demographic and bring them in and let them know that don't be intimidated by this because you're different. You don't fit in and things like that. So that's, and I, I, I just love that. Young, I love that young man to death. I just think he's, He's that kind of that person that saw something in me and turned me on to now I'm in touch with the, you know, the head in, uh, in, in BMW in Jersey. And she's, she's just like, she can't wait to come hear my, one of my talks. Well, I just want to know is, can you give me the hookup? That's all I want to know. Can I get a hookup like a t-shirt, like BMW's here? I just want something for BMW. That's all I want. I want to I can up. get you something. I can always get you something. I, 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 I want something then. Give me something then. I can get you. I can get you something. Trust a, me. A t-shirt, I, some I, socks, I, some drawers, something that says I, BMW. I, <laughs> you know, I, I I just think that I I morphed into what I and I seem to always morph into a higher life form 
periodically in my life, I feel that I'm always being taken to a high level by all the challenges that I have. And instead of me taking as a, I, if something happens to me, I'm like, what am I supposed to take and use this for? So that's why when I say I'm going to be doing all these stairs and I would be doing this, it ain't about me. It ain't about me. This is bigger than me. I am not here on this earth now just for, like I have a display in the National Motorcycle Museum. Both of my, I have Big Bertha, which I've been to Alaska on her three times. Black guys, I've been to her once. So I have two motorcycles that I've been through all 50 states on both motorcycles and a wax figure of me in Animosa, Iowa. And it's not because of, look what I did. They're the best picture of that museum is a friend of mine took her little daughter to look at my display and she's standing there looking at my display. And every time I see that, that I realize that's why I'm here is to show that little girl that anything's possible. It might not be on motorcycles. It might not be anything that I could ever fathom that I would even want to do but anything's possible because that's the reason why I put Big Bertha in in the first place. And then I added black, black ice and eventually magic would be in there, but we ain't done working yet, but it's not about, look what I did is look what's possible. That's what, when I'm doing anything, that's what I'm saying. I'm not going to do the three towers just because I can do it. I want to make a difference. I want to raise a $10,000 minimum that day for just domestic violence. After I've gone through my entire life to show that you can shine on the other side. God damn, that's beautiful. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. That is so beautiful because it's it it touches me because you can be an inspiration and it didn't have to be women because you inspire me just right now. But it just helps because I always say I I mean teach his own, but God damn, I just get so pissed off at women sometimes and like I'm on your side to be strong. And, but you gravitate to just bullshit, you know, like you, you watch this, you know, the housewives or whatever the fuck. And then you and then you have the Kardashians and, and God bless those girls, whatever. They made their money. But God, it's just, you know, and you got women like yourself. You got female athletes who are strong. You got you have so many great role models, but you gravitate to such bullshit. It's like going to a buffet and you've got vegetables and you got fruit and you got, you know, uh, oats and, and everything that's good for you. But still you eat this fried shit over here. You're like like Long John Silver's when you go, Jesus Christ, it's right here in front of you. Right here. And that's where people like you should be elevated. And I, you know, the, and I can honestly say from the bottom of my heart, the women that I've had on this show, and I'm not patting myself on the back, but the women I have on this show, I have them on the show because I think with everything they do, I want everybody, everybody. But I, I really want, like you said, I want a girl who's coming up now, I want her to be like, hey, I want to be like her. You know, I don't, you know, I don't want to be, you know, be like, God, I hope some man chooses me on, you know, on the bachelorette or whatever. The I hate that shit. But OK, I want them to say, yeah, I want to travel 50 states by myself. I want to be a real independent woman. I want to travel 50 states. I want to be on a motorcycle. I want to be and, and every I can honestly say people I have on my show and I don't beat on head with it. But this is this is my way of saying, hey, ladies, you know, I'm on your side. It's a tough love kind of thing because I did grow up in, the, you know, 80s, 70s, 80s and 90s in Oklahoma. So. 
I got that little in me. But still, I'm trying to show you. That's another side. It's a tough love kind of side to it. I mean, I'm not going. I'm not. I've, never, I've, I've been an angel all the time. I've I've danced to push it real good by salt and pepper, and I've went a gentleman on it. But hey, we've all been through that. I mean, let's be honest. It was a club scene in the '80s. Come on, yes. And, you know what I mean. So yes. so by you saying that, I, it, it touches me so much, and I'm glad you're here telling your story. But I want to know is out of all 50 states, which ones are the ones that that resonate with you, that, 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 that come to mind. Like when I say of all 50 states, which one was the one that you loved the most, that, that you had a, a certain feeling that, you know, that you didn't know you were going to have and it just snuck up on you. Well, it's two things. One is Utah because of the colors and it's just, just, it's magical. It's like God just said, Psh, there's Utah, but the best ride, the hardest ride and I'm getting chills, the Alaska Highway. I've been on it 10 times by myself. And you have no phone service. You have no people. If you go down, I tell people, if you go down on the Alaska Highway, I said an animal will get to you before a human will, and you have to become. So if, if that happens, you, you become food, and you have to now become an animal. And so I said, well, that's pretty harsh. I'm like, well, if you can't think that way and do that, maybe you need to stay home and knit <laughs> because that's what I do. And but the bit, the, the most I mean, I love the Rocky Mountain, but for some reason, Utah and the fact that I'm living in Vegas now and I'm like a couple hours away from Utah now. But the, I told my boys, I said, when mama goes, when I get cremated, I want my ashes thrown on the Alaska Highway. They say, well, we're going to drop your ass from an airplane. Cause we ain't <laughs> and you know what's funny? You see, these guys see what I do. And so what's funny about it is, see, I go crazy when they fight, but they 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 were more worried about me. They said, mama, you can't be doing that. For one thing, I'm a grown ass woman. You don't tell me what to do. If they're so worried about, uh, one time, matter of fact, what was it? Um, on Black Ice. This was, I was doing 48 states in 48 days just because I just because I just wanted to. 3,000 miles into this ride. I'm in Seattle and I'm looking for my first oil change and I'm at a stoplight and I take that left turn. My front tire hit an oil-covered wet railroad, a diagonal railroad track. My bike spun around, slammed me to the ground broke my collarbone, Ooh. cracked my rib and dislocated my shoulder and I finished my ride 10,000 miles with a broken collarbone, separated shoulder and broken ribs. And, uh, and I, I didn't even tell anybody. I got x-rays. I'm in Seattle and I had to go all the way across the whole state of Washington. It dropped down bad. I mean, the temperature dropped, the wind whipping like this and I'm busted up. I go to the bike shop and so, should we call 911? I'm like, what? They're going to tell me motorcycles are dangerous? I got shit to do. <laughs> Just fix my motorcycle. Replace the side. I had a little extra cover for my bike. I said, they replace that. Give it to me because I put that in the museum with my, with my other bike. So uh, the thing is, I got on the bike and the wind's whipping me like this. And you know how you wave on the motorcycle? Yeah. I'm busting up. I do this. And I'm like, that ain't good. I'm like, oh. And I put, you know how you put your hand on your leg? Yeah. I do this and I'm, it took me forever. And I'm like, okay, I would just, when I, people come out, I just wave. That's how I wave. So I get to the first, I'm going to stay in at Airbnbs. And I'm, and like I said, I'm busted up and I can't find the Airbnb. It's up in the mountains and the street signs are non-existent. And I see this woman in the big uh, suburban and I said, excuse me, but 
can you tell me where this is? And she didn't even know. So I'm following her and I'm doing U-turns in the mountains and I finally get to this house. Now I got to unpack my bike. So I unpack the bike and of course my room is downstairs. And I'm laying there when the woman gets home like this. And, and she was, I said, she said, Mama D. I said, you got some ice. So she gives me ice and she gave me a big old bag of ice. And I woke up the next morning and it was melting. And I'm like, well, I'm just, I'm gonna be funky because I ain't taking my clothes off. So I, I just I got had to get the bike and I, I used that arm that was broken as my as my scent. So I was having to pack my bike and I was using a front kick to get the, the bike, to get the luggage onto the back of the bike. So I get to Montana, visit a friend of mine. I have to go all the way across Montana, which is a big state, east to west, yes. through North Dakota, down South Dakota, Nebraska, Missouri, and got to Iowa. And I got x-rays there because I met these guys on the Alaska Highway when I was there in 2014. And I said, I need to get x-rays. And before that, I hadn't even told anybody I was hurt. And uh, so the guy who set me up because these guys do bicycle riding like 100 miles on freaking gravel these are these are serious motherfuckers yeah <laughs> so he set me up with a chiropractor first for x-rays and then this orthopedic person so the orthopedic guy said there's no way she's hurt that bad she wouldn't be able to get her you don't know who you're talking about so i go to the chiropractor and she x-rays me and she said she looks at me and said you're badass i'm like no nah, no nah, i just want to know how much it costs <laughs> so so she, uh, so she, she cut me a disc because I'm going to the other. But they try to adjust me, and I was busted up so bad. My, he, her husband, who's a carpet, just a beast. He adjusted me, and my lungs expanded in my chest, and I was like, this. I couldn't even breathe. So they couldn't even do anything for me. I go to the orthopedist guy, and I hand him the disc, and he's still looking at me like. He comes back and said, "Are you kidding me?" He said, "I told you." So he said, "That's not much we can do to you." He said, "But you're probably gonna." I'm like, you know. So I I go, I mean, and then I get to Willica, Oklahoma. I'm like getting ready to go. I'm going to stop in Guthrie because I'm going to finish the 48 states going through Texas, go to New Mexico. And I'm in oh, Tulsa. I mean, I'm in Willica. Guthrie's like 400 miles. Somebody I grew up with, I uh, I stopped in and he said, that's a long way. And I'm thinking, and he, they still don't even know I'm busted up. And I'm thinking, I just rode through the entire country and I got 400 miles to, to finish my ride. He's like, that's a lot. See, you can't talk to people like that. You can't explain to them what you do. You exactly. have to shut up. Yeah, yeah. So I, I came back home. And then what happened is when I did that and I posted on Facebook and I got people telling me, you need to come home. You need See, what, what pisses me off about people? Now, if I would have gotten hurt so bad, I could not control my motorcycle. Be one thing. But I said, pain is temporary and failure is forever. Because if I would have any kind of way in my head had a doubt that I could have finished that ride and quit, you can't, you can't take that back. Yes. And that's what I tell these fighters. I said, when you get in that cage of that ring, I'm getting chills. I said, if you get in there and you gave 100% and you have no, if you half-assed it out here, that's on you in there if you lose. But if you get in there and you gave 100% out here, you will not go to your grave with regrets. That's what, how I live my life. So when I got back home, this arm never even atrophied because I kept using it. Matter of fact, I stopped to get an oil change in Tulsa, and actually in Tulsa. And a guy said to me, he said, because I told him I, what happened, he said, hell, you, you busted up. I wouldn't fuck with you because I'm telling people, I got a picture of me in a, in a parking lot putting my helmet on like this because I would put my, every time I put my helmet on just like this, I'd be like, oh, 
So I got a picture of me putting my helmet on like this, and I, I had a video. If anybody gives me shit about putting my helmet on like this, I'll take my helmet and break your collar on me. We'll talk. <laughs> so, uh, so I get home, and all, these, and all these coaches are saying, see, Mama D's shit. You see what she has done. You see what she did. She did not quit. She was fucking busted up out there, and she did not quit. And they said, if you ever tell me you don't feel like praying, I'm going to sick Mama D on you. So if, every time these guys, I said, if anybody going to cry or beat about anything, let me hit your ass with a car and we'll talk. <laughs> there ain't nothing you can deal with inside that cage of that ring that's going to be as bad as what I got to deal with out there. Man, th that is so true. You know, that live with regret part, I, you know, I was in a state championship in wrestling. I was a state championship in the state final in wrestling, and I got beat. And that replays over my mind all the time. I mean, it's like, I can't say I live with regret. I just, I wish I would have gave him a better match. And that, and uh, that resonates with me so bad, so much. And I'm getting, and I tell people all the time, I'm getting life late. You know, like now it makes sense. Now my mental resolve is so much stronger than it was. But, you know, it's like I said, like I'm getting late. And, but that, that, Liver regret part, God damn, that just touches me so much. You saying that, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. What What is the least favorite state? And this is why I, I would love to hear from you because, like I said, you don't hold back. So I want to hear what's your least favorite state, and what's one you go, you know what, fuck this state. Like, what is is there, is there a state that you were like, you know what, if I if I never hear of this state again, it'll be too soon. There's a lot of them. <laughs> There's a lot of them, because that's just, uh, and people don't realize, people do not understand. <laughs> the way there's you just said that. There's a lot of them. But people don't realize how redneck the uh, northeastern part of this country is, up in like Maine and shit. Oh, I do. People have no idea, because where you go, because see, I go where people ain't too many colored people. So when I'm <laughs> it for like 500 miles, they feel they can treat you any way they want to, because there's no repercussions. So, I mean, I had literally gone up there and tried to get a room and they would they would give me a price that was so outrageous. And I'm in the parking lot thinking something's wrong here. And I came out, it was a white dude come out. I said, excuse me, but what did you pay for that room? And he tells me, and I'm, they were literally, I got, it was. Like what? Yeah, I, the Northeast, but is there's parts of this country, there's just, there's a sprinkle. That's probably parts of the state, like I said, where there's like nothing when you go into that I have to, I'm, see, I'm very aware of my surroundings without people realize. I think every black person is. I mean, to be honest, I mean, that's just, I, I, I have, that's just honest. And the thing is, and if you're not, then you got your head up your ass because you went for a rude awakening because shit's going. How can shit, you not? And though? I have those that have never really been out in like this part of the country before. Yeah. They're from the East, East where people like all these different people of different races. They come out here like, oh my God. And so I'm like, Hello, this is this is our this is the way it is. But the thing is, I don't care how ignorant people are, because you're gonna find ignorant people. That's another thing in my book. It's about how surviving stupid people and stupid shit people say. They will say eventually somebody, when you're talking to me, will say something stupid because they don't know what to say, because they don't know, they never seen nobody like me before. Right. They see a black woman on a BMW now and they're like, huh? Well, I mean. So I, I just realized, but I, there was just, there is no one, uh, but I just said people, the surprising thing is people always surprised when I say the northeastern part of the country, northern part of New York is, 
is redneck. Yes. New Jersey. Yes. Uh, you got all these people in the middle of New Jersey. Yep. Right here. Yep. You got 10 million people in the northern part of New Jersey. They call the Pineys redneck. Jersey Shore, I got called nigga to Jersey Shore more times than I can count. I've been used to play down there. One time I went to get, a, we were setting up for a gig at a, at a bar down there. And the drummer was setting up and he said, uh, can you can you get me a beer? You know, because we were supposed, and I went to the uh, to the bar to tell the bartender, to, can you grab the, the the drummer a beer? He said, well, I look like, well, I look like your nigger. This is the bartender. He happened to be the son of the mayor of the town. We ended up packing up that night and leaving. I mean, stuff. I mean, in fact, when I was in, when I was singing, um, because it was so bad, the uh, our booking agent would actually bleach out my skin, but we could actually get in to a gig. And we, the band I was in, sang in New Jersey. They would not. The booking agent. I mean, our manager would not let us hire another black person in the band because they said they didn't want any more black people. They didn't want too many black people in the nightclubs. Wow. Wow. This is in New Jersey. This is in New Jersey. And yeah. And what so years were this? What years were this? York? What years were this? Like, this was in the uh, early 80s. My God. Yeah. And, now, it was, it, and the thing is, but when they start bleaching out my picture, I'm thinking, well, I'm going to have to get there. They're going <laughs> to see me. But, but see, I had to always prove myself when I got there. Even in my sound check, I had to prove myself because you got all the staff listening to your sound check when you were going through a song. Because we'd always do a dinner set. That's when it was really you had to show your quality of voice. It wasn't just about getting covered up by the noise. You actually had to, your voice was going to resonate, but in a way that people could actually, but when you get people eating dinner and going to stop eating to turn around and listen to you sing, then you know you're doing. So that's what I always had to prove myself just by the fact that I knew that when I went in, it was going to be an issue. I always said my first 21 years of living in Oklahoma prepared me for life. You know, I mean, just what you go through in Oklahoma. I always said, that's why I said, if I go someplace once, I always remember how to, I never have to ask directions because it comes from being the only black guy on a hayride. If you're in the mm -hmm. woods at night with a bunch of white people in a pickup truck at night in the woods, you know where you are at all times. You know what I mean? You know, like, no, nah, no, nah, I know how we got in there. If I gotta leave a popcorn trail like Peter Brady I know how we got in. I know how we're getting out. You ain't fooling me. And I think Oklahoma, hey. I think Oklahoma was the best training ground for that. I mean, you can say what Absolutely. you want. You can best say what you want about that state. And I go round and round with it. But you know what? I'm so glad I grew up there because, you know, I got a mini bike at 50 and we had nothing but feels around us. And I got a chance to ride. I mean, I had a buddy. Mike, you know, in, 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 I grew up in Muskogee, so the immediate west side and the immediate east side, immediate west side was all black, immediate east side was all white. Now, we got bussed over to the east side to go to school, okay, so I had a friend, Mark Markovics, right, he's in, this is third, fourth grade, no, maybe, no, fifth grade, he literally would take his 50 motorcycle across town, across a major highway to come ride with me, and nobody thought anything of it. He had to cross a major highway at nine years old, and nobody thought shit about it. Oh, my God. I'm serious. And it was, and my parents like, all right, Mark, you better get back. You know what I mean? It's getting dark. Wouldn't want, no, wouldn't want nothing to happen to you. <laughs> so he went back to the east side where at it was nine? safe. At, at nine, eight or nine. You don't understand. Eight or nine, he's crossing a major highway and no one thought shit about it. <laughs> he come ride with me and 
But that was the, in a way, that was the beauty of it. Even those towns like that, the beauty of it, the stuff you get away with. Like I said, riding on the street as an eight-year-old and no cop pulls him over. Parents didn't question where he was. That's the beauty of it. And I, I, you know, but I think growing up that way, and especially the time period we grew up in, and we heard those words, I think it prepared us wherever we went. And thank God my mom was like, to me, my mom was like you, man. She's one of those people that's like, you know what? She knew, she knew when to turn it on and turn it off. She knew when to go, okay, you know what? I'm about to put this dude in another orbit, so we better get out of here before uh, before it happens. You know, and, and so that training ground, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, and with your mom being the way she was, I think that was like, the ingredients of the stew that made you the the strong meal that you are. You're like a bon appetit. You're like, when the plate comes, it's like a strong woman here. You got the mental resolve uh, as, as your appetizer here. And the dessert is everything that you have. You encompass. You got the sweetness. You got the, that, that loving part of you, I can just tell, that radiates, that positivity. And you also got that little side dish that if you dip it in and, and, and you don't have anything to, 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 to dilute it, it can burn you. So that's what I see in you. I see everything in you. And that's why you resonate with people. There is no bullshit with you. There is nothing but a woman who's been through it. You want to hear it? You'll tell them. But you also have that positive part. You just tell you tell it like it is. And that's what makes you beautiful inside and out. Well, thank you so much. And that's oops, my phone. Oops. It's okay. Phone just fell over. It's okay. You all right? But no, it's just that I, I don't, negativity doesn't fix anything. And I got people like that. That's another thing too, is I have eliminated a lot of people in my life. You have to. Especially recently that when I'm talking about, like matter of fact, one guy that, you know, I just moved from Albuquerque and all he talked about, he said, the crime is the worst here ever. And you guys are going to run out of water. I'm like, well, and you're not returning my phone calls. I'm like, well, why should I? <laughs> what the hell did I got? What am I going to say to fix that shit? So I mean, I'm not. I can't. I can't I'm not going to listen to it. I'm not going to feed into it. So what you got to say to me? You already told me what you're all about, and I'm not going. I and I've also found out too that when you do, because I mean, normally people because uh, you go into Vegas and retire. I'm like, for one thing, I'll retire when I when I stop breathing. Right. I don't know what that means because I'm always going to be doing something I love for the rest of my life. Yeah. And so the thing is, I, but when I did move from, from Albuquerque, it was kind of hard. It was, it hurt me because a lot of people I thought were my friends, because if you're comfortable doing what you're doing, God bless you. That's fine. But somebody that's decided they want to do something else because Vegas is my energy because yeah. I, I rock New York. When I used to walk, I was a personal trainer. I used to walk the streets of Manhattan. I used to go to the, the dormant room, let me in to go to the bathroom. They'd be like, hey, hey, I mean, I, and but Vegas is my energy. One of my boys even told me, this was last year of October. He said, mommy, you don't fit in Albuquerque because I moved there with my ex. And he, I said, you think? And he said, what about Vegas? I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> I didn't even look back. So, but when I decided to do that, I had people laughing at me. So what are you going to do in Vegas? I'm like, see, if I have to explain me to you, then I'm done talking. I don't want to, ex- to have to explain when you have to ask me a question like that. Then you if you don't know me. When people tell me that is so perfect for you, Mama D, that's amazing, then they get it. But if I have to, if you're going to laugh at me and say, what are you going to do in Vegas? Or why would you want to? And I, then I got people from uh, uh, Albuquerque saying to me, 
So are you moving to Las Vegas, New Mexico, or Las Vegas, Nevada? Conversation <laughs> just ended. But one time in this one coffee shop, I lit this motherfucker up, tell hit me. him up. Tell me what happened. He was like that. I said, I went off to the point I got animated. I said, motherfucker, I was in there and I figured anybody else going to say this shit because nobody else talked to me after that. They just like, oh, hell. I was like, motherfucker, are you fucking kidding me? I went off. When I start doing all this shit, I've done that before. What happened? In a gas station in Wyoming. What happened? I did that one time. I was going into the gas station. I had gone through seven thunderstorms through Wyoming. I stopped at the gas station to regroup mentally, get, you know, get gas, pee, and go into the gas station and this toothless inbred motherfucker is walking out. And he said, you getting wet? And I'm like, <laughs> now he's gone. I'm inside the gas station saying, you inbred motherfucker. I'm screaming and they ain't talking to nobody. <laughs> So I'm looking around, all these people are like, oh, Lord, it's a black woman. I got knives all over me, and I'm going crazy. They're like, oh, this crazy woman. <laughs> so the thing is, I've been known to do that. So if I do that, I want everybody to know, you come at me, I'm going to fucking kill you. You might kill me, you might fill me with bullets, but I will still come in until I stop breathing. And they know that. So when I get like that, I lose consciousness. <laughs> I, I physically will lose consciousness, and I start saying shit, and I don't care. I don't care who hears me. I don't care <laughs> who I piss off. Then you you just poke the bear. So uh, when I did that, at that moment that he said that to me in that coffee shop, and matter of fact, in that coffee shop, there's some people that have always kind of like <laughs> backed me and promoted me that um, they haven't put me in a movie that they're in called the, um, uh, it's about um, these vintage motorcycles. So I'm actually in there as myself. And, it was a, they had a, an event. They wanted to piggy, I wanted to piggyback my event because I only had six days before. I had just come back from Colorado. Then I went to York, Pennsylvania, did an event, came back. And then six days later, I was moving to Vegas. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to do that. And a lot of people didn't even come because it was raining a little bit. But that was the excuse not to come. <sighs> but my state police officer, my New Mexico state police officer buddy, yeah, this man lives in Santa Fe. His he was going, he said, I'm going to be there. When he says he's going to be there, his dog threw up on his carpet. He had to go get a carpet cleaner, clean his carpet. And and he's riding, he's driving so fast. Now, this is New Mexico State Police Officer, more patrol. Here's why I said, Mark, you better slow down. You're going to kill us. Now, this morning, this man is driving so fast. He's because I can't miss this. When he walks in, I'm like, see, that's what I'm talking about right there. That's what I'm talking about. That's a friend right there. This man's got my back. He gave me four New Mexico State police officers for my escort when I left about 50 State Ride. That's beautiful. And from then on, if when it comes to having your back, see, that's what I'm saying. I call them the herd. I call them the herd. People like that, you can't make it and you can't ride a few miles in a little drizzle to go to, then you didn't, you won't come and that's just your excuse. But this man flew and got there. When you said movie, I swear to God, you were talking, I think that you should do write and I'll help or whatever. You should do the Bessie Stringfield story because that, that, that's a story that needs to be told. The Bessie Stringfield, you know who she is, right? Yes, 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 so, yes, yes. I, yes. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure you did, but I, I don't want to disrespect you like that. But I think her story needs to be told. I think you either need to play her 
I personally, I think Queen Latifah needs a player because she looks more like her physically. Absolutely. You know, but yeah, that, that's a story that needs to be told. And maybe not even in theaters, maybe on Lifetime or something, because I want everybody to see that story. Because what you went through, just talking about that in the Northeast, she experienced that where people wouldn't let her stay and she had to sleep on the motorcycle. I mean, think, think about it. Your story's incredible, but hers in 1915 or whatever, growing up, I mean, you think women are held back when you were growing up. Think about back then as a black Thank woman, you. what she went through. She was chased by the KKK, outran them on a motorcycle. I mean, to me personally, sometimes I always say women sometimes can skirt around the uh, the racism, whatever, because they're a hot woman gets away, you know, can get away with a lot of stuff. I mean, there's a price to pay. Don't get me wrong. On on you know, eventually down the line. But when it comes, I always say sometimes when it comes to racism, they can escape. Because I know a guy who's a hardcore, uh, let's say, leans right wing hardcore uh, against uh you know, and back to certain ex-president, but at the same time, his, his uh, girlfriend was illegal, you know, and now she's his wife, but she was illegal. I'm like, really? Isn't that kind of a, you know, hypocritical? So when it comes to hot women, I think they can skirt the line, but you know, for them to be that racist against somebody, I'm sure. And don't get me wrong. You're a very attractive woman. And I can imagine back in the day, 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 especially like in the eighties or growing up in nineties and you're traveling and they did you that way. They must've really been, hardcore race because I'm like oh my god I mean who do do that to a woman so I you know I think her story needs to be told and you either need to write it if I could do anything to help like as far as produce or help write it that story needs to be told it really Absolutely. does and I just yeah, I, yeah speaking of KKK when I was in a band and we played in Georgia in Macon Georgia we got run out by the KKK because I'm, they um we were singing in, at a nightclub there and they said they heard that there was a Negro <laughs> Nigger. In the band, yeah, and they came in to the nightclub, ran us out. Yeah, we, we, I mean, talking about, talking about now that was that was scary yeah. because these people they they don't play, right? They don't play, but that was just their way to say that you you're not welcome in this town. And I get, like I said, I get. Like people have called me the modern day best Bessie Springfield, uh, and th that's what I mean. Before I looked you up, I just saw what you did, and I saw the fifty states. I go, this woman is, and I and I don't get me wrong. Everybody I've interviewed, like I said, you know, I had uh, this wonderful woman from Sweden. I had on was my last uh, uh, chat. She was great. She left her cush job and she travels on her motorcycle. Uh, my friend from uh, from Australia, she was a lawyer. She gave it all up. Now she's uh, doing bike tours in Thailand. Land. I love yeah. them all, but I really wanted a woman of color just because, you know what I mean? And, and don't get me wrong, and I, and I, I love those girls. I think they're great, I, but I wanted a woman of color because I want, I want somebody I just really would like a, a young African-American girl to look up to you and say, Yes, that's who I want to be like. And and not, not even for look at me, but say, yeah, that's who I want. I want somebody, you know, like her passing by. Maybe she has a kid and she looks up and says, baby, I want you to be like this woman here. You know what I mean? That's what I want. And that's what I want this show to do. And I know it sounds, I don't know. I don't know how it sounds, but that's what I want. I want to make that, that, that subtle change that I don't even know, but maybe I'm someplace and somebody goes, hey, man. Thanks for having so-and-so on. My daughter saw it, and now she's traveling, and now she's, you know, she's living the life she wants to. It may not be the life I wanted her to have, but you know what? She's happy. 
And if she's yeah. happy, I'm a parent, then I'm happy. So that's what I want with all this. And you've made me happy. And I wanted to get into the MMA thing. We got to go here. But I wanted to get into the MMA thing. But I'm glad we got through your story. The MMA guys, if they want to, they can come down to Indianapolis. They can get some of this if they want some. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I, mean, I, I, got, I got a little age on me. But hey, you know, look, look, look at that. I, I got Look at that. See, I, I got a little something, so I can still go. So if they want to, they can come down and get something if they want something. So, uh, but, uh, but I just really want Hey, by the way, by the way, don't, don't tell them that, okay? By the way, don't, don't, no, don't, no. don't, 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 I don't want that smoke, okay? I don't want that. I, I talk a lot. No, I, I don't want that smoke. I just, I, well, I just want to leave it at this with, with these young men that I started training back in 2008 when I was in Albuquerque and walked into Jackson and May because I met one of the fighters on a, on a movie set we were doing Terminator Salvation background together. And, but I've always told these young men, I don't, I'm not just training these warriors for battle, but I want them to be good human beings when they stop doing it. Yes. Uh, so that's, that's my goal is when I've always worked with them is talk to them. I've always been there for them when they cry to me, because they, they will have to have a certain, you know, facade in front of everybody else, but they can be themselves around me. And they, and they also, uh, I also at one time said, yeah, all my boys are hoes, and nobody denied it. But I did that shit before you guys were born, so don't don't even think you trying to get away with something that I had already done. I was better, I was better at you than you were back in the day. So don't even try that shit. But no, that's what I want to do. My legacy is to work with these. I've worked with military. I've trained military, uh, MMA, boxers, the whole thing. But basically, no, all the things that I've done is all self-taught, as far as working with them, because I can just see. And every person that I work with is different. So it's not like I have this cookie cutter. I know how to, what somebody needs. If somebody needs me to scream and yell at them, like if I'm working with a Marine, they're not gonna hear me unless I cuss them out. But some guys just need me to just coax them or I tell them I will never give you a goal that I do not think you cannot achieve. It's up to you to believe it. So they'll say, I'll give them something. I'll be like, I said, no, 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 no. You have to believe it. And as soon as they do it, the whole demeanor changes. I will never set anybody up for failure I see what you can do, but you have to believe what you can do. I see. I think that's beautiful. I think that coach slash trainer, you're just like, you're the mama D, but you know, if I was there, then I'd be a trainer. I'd be like, you know, and a trainer is like, it's like a parent, man. It's the parent that you listen to growing up when, you know, me and my dad were going at it. It was more me, you know, but dad was just, you know, that, 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 that hardcore tough love, you know what I mean? And looking back on it now, God, I go, how lucky I was to have a dad who cares, who who get, stayed off in my ass. I mean, and granted, I didn't mm. appreciate it back then. So I always say that the next to my dad, the guy I listened to was my coach, my wrestling coach, man. Whenever he said, when I looked over him and he was angry and he told me to go take him down, I took him down. It wasn't even a consideration. And I always say my coach was next, the most important person in my life next to my dad. Now, yeah, my dad's always been my hero, will always be my hero, but you know, it's it, but but they, that coach is up there too. Growing up, if you're going through it with your parents, and and you're like me, where you know you think you, like my mom said, think you know every damn thing. You know your coach, <laughs> your coach is that person that you go, okay, coach, okay, coach, yes, coach, no, you know what I mean. That's the person who, who gets that respect from you. Whereas your parents, you take them for granted, and you're like me, you come back and go, hey, 
man, I sure appreciate you guys loving me. I mean, that's what I say to my parents now. Like, God damn, you know, what y'all did to me. Like I said, my mom telling me, don't you ever say that again about a woman or whatever. Back in the day when you didn't even hear shit like that, and she told me that, and that put the fear of God in me. I said, like, okay, I got you. And that's why I learned to respect women and that, from that perspective on. That's why I can't respect any man that gets that gets alimony. I, I that, that just pisses me off to know. I, honestly, I do always have a joke in my act. I always say any man that collects alimony, I go... How do you, as a if you had enough game to get a woman who made more money than you, that then and all right, player, you know, I, I'd give you dap. But after that, if you get divorced, don't go. Mm, I'm going out to get my check, man. Be a man, okay? Mm-hmm. You, 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 you. Me, all you gotta get, give me a motorcycle. I will, I will wheelie out of your life. That's all I need. I'll yeah. order the motorcycle. I, I'm gone. <laughs> you won't hear anything from me. You might hear the exhaust like, and that's it. And that, that would be the last you see of me. But, and, and I think growing up the way I did and where my mom was and people like you, and I mean, this from people like you are the role models from just setting the example. You don't have to hit you over the head. You don't have to be on some news channel to say, do it like me. And women, this, you set the example and that's what you are. See those people, you guys follow mama D. This one right here is a, is a role model for women around the world. Her name is mama D. You follow her, my man. You understand? If not, I'm going to sick her on you, man. I won't do it. I, 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 don't, I don't want a part of you, but she will. You understand? Know I don't want a party, but she will. Okay. <laughs> my love, much love, brother. <laughs> hey, I don't want a part of him, but I know you will. <laughs> anyway, listen. Well, I, I'll put him in the pool because I used to do something called Mama These Drownings. Your job is not to die. Yes. And I would put these guys in the pool. And the, but see, the thing is, but it's it was one of those kind of things that. I always would test them because I want. I would. I started working with very high level athletes, so I told them. I said, "If you are physically gifted and you put work behind it, that's where the difference is. But you're going to win from here and here because you're going to get when you get to the top, like the young man that just won. Yes. When you get to that level, there's everybody's going to be good. Yes. Everybody's going to be great. But what's going to make the difference is going to be this and this. And I always because see they they know that I know what it's like to do a stare down. I know what I know. It's like when I own you. Yeah, I know exactly. There's a, a like a minuscule amount of flinch in somebody's eye. You cannot hide it. So when I see a guy doing a stare down, I know if he's won that fight already. He wins that fight in that stare down. He just broke. There's a two parter or three parter I have with a uh, an African American Navy SEAL. He acts. I train in his gym. If you get a chance, watch that. I think you'll like that. You guys are similar talking. And when, when we, oh, this is over, hopefully you go back and watch it because I think it's, it's similar to what you're talking about. But your fighter won by knockout. Am I am I not right? Oh yeah, uppercut. The second the second fight, he's won uppercut. And I told I told him and a lot of fighters, and I said the uppercut is one of the most underutilized punches and the most devastating because you can't see it coming. And we just had lunch right the week before he went off to Minneapolis. And he won the last two fights in the fifth round, uppercut, uh, uppercut. And this young man is on his way. Well, what's his name? I'm going to shout out real quick. What's his Ryan name? Ryan Labala Mendoza. Ryan Labala Mendoza. He has yes. an uppercut. If you're going against Ryan, just, just call it quits because he's going to knock your ass out. Ryan is, I mean, he's just, but he's, he's one of these young men who are, he's a good, he's a champion in and out of the, in and out of the, of the ring. That's what I, He's humble, but yet he worked so hard. He is disciplined. He is dedicated. And that's what I like about him. And there's no half-assed in anything, ever. He's all in. Mama D, we got to get out of here. We're up against it. 
uh, name of the book that's coming out? Beyond the Bike, the real life tactics to be your best you on and off twos. And it how, ain't about bike, it's about life. And how do they go about getting it? Right now it's not out yet because I just got my edit back from my editor. So I'm going to be having it on my website. It'll be mamadeesmagic.com. Uh, but I'll I'll let you know when it's released and everybody can get a hold to it. Mama D, I knew it was going to be this way. I really did because, man, I, I, I couldn't wait. I was chomping at the bit all the way over from Spain. I was like, I can't wait to talk to this woman. And you didn't disappoint. You are an inspiration to people around. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I got to go. You have been wonderful. Much love. Much appreciation. When we get to Vegas in January, oh, we partying, girl. We party. Oh, hell yeah. We party. I ain't, I, I'm not running them damn steps, I'm going to tell you right now, but we party. Okay? We having a good time. All right. Thank you so much, Mama D. I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate Love you. Appreciate you guys watching Tales from a Gemini. I'm BT. You know the word. Peace. <laughs>